Good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to the City Builders online service for a very special service this morning. Uh, could you just bow your heads wherever you are with me and we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Uh, for, we thank you for this incredible season that we're in. And uh, Lord God, we just seem to be at a real turning point in the nations. Father, right now, we just pray, Lord God, for open hearts and open minds. Lord God, I pray, Father, that your church on the earth would be tuned into you in, you in heaven, loud and clear. Lord God, I pray that we would be in step with you. Father, this morning I pray for an impartation of the spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding in Jesus' name. Father, raise up your church in this hour. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. So once again, a, a warm welcome. Australia is a great land and it's a God-blessed land. It is also a nation right now that is under stress and we are under a time of great testing. There are powerful prophetic words that have spoken over this nation from the beginning, the first one being de Kuros, the first man ever to sight these great southern lands. And that was back in the 1600s. And a hundred years ago, a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth spoke very powerfully over this region and spoke about how in the latter days there was going to be a powerful move of God that would come out of these islands and out of this region and touch the nations of the earth. This we believe that Australia is a land of destiny. It has been fashioned and formed by the hand of God. Right now, there is much that is broken about this land. In our young history, which is uh, since Federation, which is only around 110 years ago, we have seen the highs and the lows. And right now, this nation is in need of healing and it is in need of repair. And I wanted to start this morning's message by reading from the scriptures from Isaiah chapter 58, verse, uh, verse 12. And it says this, those from among you shall build up the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Of course, this is one of the messianic prophecies that spoke about uh, the redeemer, Jesus Christ. But it is also speaking about the work of the church in the nation in the latter days. And I really very much, when I read this scripture, I feel like it is speaking to me personally. I feel like it is speaking to the purpose of our church personally. And I also believe that it is speaking to people around this nation. This morning we must realise that freedom uh, and functional democracy are an incredible privilege. For most of us, uh, this is all we have known. And we've been raised in a tremendous, prosperous era. At the same time, we must never be presumptuous. Freedoms that have been fought for with the shedding of much blood, giving birth to the legend of the uh, Anzacs, this is part of our history. And I think right now we are in an incredible time because this is the first year since the Anzac legend was born that we have cancelled Anzac Day which is really an event that defines who we are as a nation. If we are careless, hard-fought freedoms can be slothfully given away. 
And tyranny is a word that we never like to use in Australia. But today, everyone who is thinking and every believer and everybody who has really enjoyed the freedom and the liberty that we take for granted in this nation must stop and think about this word. I want to give you a definition of the word tyranny. This is an actual definition. It is the cruel and oppressive uh, government or rule. It is the cruel, unreasonable or arbitrary use of power of control. History shows that with regard to many civilizations, that societies, which is particularly relevant for now, democracies seem to inevitably rise and fall. The records of history shows the rise and fall of kings, kingdoms and empires. And particularly if we as Christians read the book of Daniel, it's talking about what was to come and how nations would rise and fall, how empires would rise and fall. And this has been, we've seen these prophecies fulfilled. Last year, myself and a few of my uh, like-minded friends did a series of uh, uh, teachings on community radio called The State of the Nation. It was like a talkback commentary. And looking back, it was profoundly prophetic. We looked at the nine stages that every society goes through in its life cycle, which is based on an essay by Professor Alexander Teitler, who wrote of the Athenian Republic. The last session we did was about the rise of statism. And I remember as we did that last session that we stumbled through it thinking, what is the rise of statism? What does it look like? And what would it feel like to be in a police state? Well, now we're only 12 months later, and I believe that we are practicing for the future. Uh, the rise of statism talks about the state after it has successfully taken the position of God. And that is something that we must not allow in our personal lives. And we, as a free society here in Australia and New Zealand and the islands, must be aware of this. Teitler's essay discusses how a democracy goes through nine stages in its life cycle. A democracy starts and is born with spiritual faith, and it goes to great courage. It goes from great courage to liberty, and it goes from liberty to abundance, and abundance to selfishness, selfishness to apathy, and apathy to dependence. And then finally, from dependence to bondage. Bondage happens when the resistance and the spiritual morale of the populace is reduced and it manifests in the oppressive management of people. It has happened over and over and over again throughout history. And it is particularly evident in the biblical account. And the emphasis in that last paragraph is mine. Right now, the global community, and particularly Western society, is living... We have moved from Isaiah 58. We are now living in the uh, last third of the book of Isaiah, chapter 59. And we are living in the hope that we will see Isaiah chapter 60. 
And this is where the church of the living God, which we have been talking about over the last couple of months, comes in. But in the book of Isaiah, there's some very powerful scriptures. And I just want to point them out because if you mark those uh, nine stages of decline, you will see that our society is really falling into one of those levels. And it is for you to work out tonight. Firstly, in uh, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. And I want us to know this morning, all our members and all our listeners, wherever you are, that it does not matter where we are on the cycle of decline or on God's time clock, that, there is, that the Lord is positioned in heaven and he is ever listening to the cry of his church and to his people. And according to the scripture, it says the Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save. And his ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. In fact, if we really turn our hearts to God, he can turn things around. In verse 2, it says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Whose iniquities? Well, mine, yours, ours, and the sins of our nation. Because God deals with the individual, but he certainly does deal with nations. And in verse 3 and 4, it says, For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, and your tongues have muttered perversity. So, you know, we are moving through the cycle of decline here. And we have moved from being in relationship with God to disregarding God and allowing a separation between us to become. And uh, the Lord, through his word, is challenging, through the prophet, the nation to turn its heart back to God. And firstly, he is revealing their position. In verse 4, it says, No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and, and, speak, um, and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. This is remarkable because tonight before I uh, came to do the recording, I heard the prophet, uh, well-known prophet from America, uh, Bobby Connor, speak about how the nation was being brainwashed by a false press and how the, the whole of the press has been used by a certain group of people who are being used to manipulate and undermine, manipulate the people, manipulate the minds of the people and undermine the government that God has put in place in that nation. And I really believe this is something. When we live in a free society, we need to realise that we are free by the grace of God. It is not of our own doing, it is a gift from God. And freedom can be fleeting. So I tell you what, God is not mocked. And this morning, the church of the living God and people like us all over the nation need to turn our hearts back to God because God is planning to do something in this great south land of ours. But it is dependent not only on the word that it comes, but on our ability as a people of faith to reach up and apprehend the word that God has sent through his prophets and to bring it to a reality on the earth. In verse 5 it says, They hatch vipers' eggs and weave the spider's webs 
and he who eats of their eggs die. You know, we need to be careful what we're listening to uh, because this is, as we've spoken about over the last few months, we are now living in a post-truth era where it's, uh, you know, we have redefined truth almost so that we can win an argument based on our truth. Well, that might last for a little while, but I want you to know and I want, to, I want the powers to know, and I want people that are in high places to know that that will only last for a moment, because in the end, the truth will reign, because Jesus is the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no man comes to the Father, only by me. And if you read forward in the scripture, I will tell you has the last say, and it is not the politicians of the day, it's not a king or an emperor, but it is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And in verse 7 it says, Therefore justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness. For darkness, but we walk in blackness. We, look, we grope for the wall, like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. And I really believe that this, to a degree, describes those that are in darkness, and it describes leaders who are trying to find um, you know, their way in this generation. But God is going to do something. Let's move on a little bit further, because I said in my introduction that we are in the last third of the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, historically. And in verse 14 it says, Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar, for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter, so truth fails. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Imagine living in a society, in a generation that is post-truth, where a person who departs from evil to speak the truth actually makes himself a, a, a prey. This is the dilemma of the generation that we are living in right now. This is the time. But God is doing something. God is at work in the background. God is not mocked. God is going to have the last say. And God always has a people on the earth who are responding to him. And in Isaiah chapter 15, verse 16, he saw that there was no man. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him. You know, even when we have been enjoying the fruit of the land and enjoying our job and our family and our prosperous society, God has been looking for a man, a woman, a child even, somebody who he can use in this generation as his agent of change. This is a remarkable thing. And uh, this morning I want to say, well, here we are, God. We are here and we want to be that man, that woman, that person, that church. And I believe that I'm not only speaking for me, but for many people like us throughout the region in other churches in the town and the region, and also right throughout the nation of Australia. I believe in Australia. I believe that God birthed the nation of Australia. 
I believe that when the first man stood across, you know, and spoke prophetically over these islands, somewhere up in the islands in the north area, uh, possibly around Vanuatu, de Kuros, uh, the Spanish explorer, spoke prophetically over the region and planted the emblem of the cross in the ground. And today, you know, he was like the first... Um, the first generation, now we are the finishing generation and we have a job to do. And our job is to rise up. Our job is to take the word of God. Our, our um, job is to take God at his word and to really bring that word and earth it in our generation. Moving on to verse 19. And here you can see the decline. We threw from Isaiah 58, now we're in Isaiah 59, and something's going down. And if you match this up with Titler's um, essay, you can see where we are. For instance, where are we in this time clock now? We've moved from spiritual faith, great courage, liberty, abundance, selfishness, apathy. Apathy's where you couldn't care. Then we move into dependence, where we are dependent on the government for our survival. But that is not a good place to be because historically, from there, we go into bondage. So we must be very careful. But God is at work in the background, as you read in verse 16. In verse 19, it says, When the enemy comes in like a flood... The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. In other words, there is a generation on the earth who know the times and seasons, like the sons of Isaac, they know that the enemy is bringing, you know, filth into the nation. And we have watched this happen. This has been happening. But there is a generation who is going to go, that is enough. And this generation will represent God. And this generation will be able to stand with a position of stature and push back the tide of uh, moral and, and uh, you know, moral and spiritual um, inaccuracy and corruption that is coming into the nations. I don't want to use any words that are too strong at this stage, so I'm pulling it back. But I believe that God is going to do something very powerful. In verse... Um, in verse 20, it says the Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn back from transgression in Jacob. It's talking about God's people. Zion is God's people. And this is saying that God is going to come to those people that are looking for him. And, you know, wherever you are uh, today, whether you are, you know, each Sunday have been listening to these messages or, or wherever you've been, or even if you're tuning in for the first time this morning, wherever you are in your lounge room, you can turn your heart to God and you can say, God, come to me. And the scripture says, whenever we draw near to God, he'll come to us. But this is the powerful promise of the word this morning that says the Redeemer will come to Zion. And then it goes on into verse 21. This is like some kind of change that is going to come to society where there is going to be such a dramatic and powerful visitation of the Lord that it's going to literally turn things around. And it is because God's coming. The Lord, our Redeemer, is coming to Zion. And in verse 21, it says, As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. 
My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth nor from the mouth of your descendants and from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord from this time forevermore. So even though we are in this cycle of decline, you know, through the difficulty that we've been through in this nation as a result of the virus, that God is using it. And he's using it to bring his church back to himself. And the key to the healing of a nation is when the church comes back to him. And, and uh, you know, that we really allow God to heal us on the inside. Listen about the COVID-19 uh, virus. Firstly, it is real and we are not denying that. There are categories of people that are particularly vulnerable. For instance, the aged and the infirmed. Those with co comorbidity factors are especially at risk. And we should not underestimate its ability to strike down those that are in perfect health. But at the same time, we need to realise that there is a movement throughout the nation and the nations that are seeking to use situations like this to reinforce their own power. And this is the great concern that we need to talk about this morning. And if we look at the scripture, this can be fixed. But we need to take it very seriously. Now, firstly, I want to give you a couple of ground-level examples. The first one is that our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, I really thank God that we have a Christian Prime Minister, and I believe in answer to prayer. But recently, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, indicated that a vaccine would potentially be made available for all Australians in the near future. The issue, uh, you know, that news in itself is wonderful news. But the issue is that he said that the vaccine would become as mandatory as possible. I have a question for Mr. Morrison this morning. What exactly does this mean? I want you to clarify. And we as a people of faith that are represented here and throughout Gippsland and in the region have that question. What exactly does this mean, Mr. Morrison? You have said that no one is going to hold us down and force us to have a vaccine. But the idea of no jab, no job, no restaurants, no travel has definitely been floated. And I think this is very careless speech in this environment. Of course, we would celebrate with you if a suitable vaccine was found. That would be absolutely amazing. You must realise, though, that the issue of ethics arises. For instance, um, vaccines historically have some very interesting ingredients in them, including human DNA and fetal tissue from electively aborted babies. I also uh, I, I want to th uh, thank um, Archbishop Fisher of the Sydney Archdiocese for raising the eth ethical issues around this. And this is something that every person of faith and conviction needs to be able to 
address this in their own personal lives and live out of their conscience. I also find it extraordinary that while other respected and suitably qualified medical professionals around the globe have offered effective preventions and treatments that claim to greatly increase the chances of recovery and reduce the mortality rate, have been black banned from the discussion. This does not sound like, the, like we exist in a free society. Those qualified professionals who, out of conviction, are speaking forth and are being radically censored. Some have lost jobs and, of course, government interventions into their practices has been happening. And uh, Professor Thomas Borody, who is one of uh, um, Australia's leading breakthrough professionals, has found himself in that space just recently. At this stage, I think it would be good if we, the people, were able to initiate some investigations into how our governments come up with their solutions and what is their motives and intended end game. That's the first area, Mr Morrison. The number two, which really is of great concern to us, is what is happening in Victoria. This is the authoritative stance that has been taken by the Premier of Victoria and other Premiers, but in our state, Daniel Andrews. Every Victorian should be very careful of the authoritarian stance that this government is taking. As you would have heard, Mr Andrews has sought to extend the Victorian state of disaster for another 12 months. In my opinion, and I don't think this is just my opinion, there is a loud voice coming out from uh, particularly country uh, regions and, and throughout the nation, really. There is a strong reaction that is coming to this kind of people management. This is a very, very dangerous precedent for a government that has already locked up people indefinitely, set a curfew of 8pm in what was once the world's most livable city, dispatched drones in the sky to assist with people management. I do not like repeating this kind of language, but a, a policeman who is delegated by the government referred to resistors as batshit crazy. This is not suitable for any government representative or public service to address any member of the public like that. You really should take your words back. You know, this is really amazing. This reads like a sequel to George Orwell's dystopian classic, 1984. Leading up to this state of disaster, uh, the government of Victoria hired inexperienced guards to manage the hotel quarantine issue rather than the Australian Defence Force. And this is really strange because we all heard that this offer was being made by the federal government, but our Premier can't remember. It appears there was a cover-up at Cedar Meats, and the owner was a generous don donor in the past to the Labor cause. The uh, daily briefings uh, may well be necessary, 
But the continual lecturing of Victorians for doing the wrong thing in daily briefings has become a bit much. In fact, the strong implication has been that the second outbreak has been the fault of Victorians. But, Mr Andrews, your government passively stood by, allowing the Black Lives uh, March to proceed. Wasn't it you who said, we can't stop peaceful pro protests? Now you and your police force which is our police force, are threatening to stamp out the march against the lockdown. How hypocritical. But there's more than that. There is an incredible lack of accountability and transparency. And this brings me to the next issue, which is the Belt and Roads Initiative. The initiative that Daniel Andrews and his government is heavily invested in. This is a dangerous liaison that threatens the future society of our, of our nation. This is a time where we have been under cyber, cyber attack from China. And this is a time where accountability, transparency and cooperation is required at the highest level, particularly if the Cold War with China escalates. It is good to see, thank you, Mr. Morrison, that you have stepped in to rip up the contract. He has just recently, Mr Morrison, you've just recently warned all Australians within the last month to six weeks that we will be poorer in the future and the world will be a more dangerous place. And also you have warned that the regional order is breaking down in the region, likening it to the period of Hitler's rising prior to the World War II. I want to connect this back into the stages of decline because what I see is an incredible apathy amongst Australians. Do you know what? If you were given a free society and you were the steward of a free society, you have a responsibility. And I also want to say at this stage, we value you. Mr Scott Morrison is our Prime Minister. We will be praying for you and we'll be praying that God keeps you there for a long time and that you have wisdom to lead this nation into the future. But this will mean change for you and your government. On Mr Andrews, in 2008, the Brumby government legalised full-term abortion. It's interesting, Daniel Andrews was a health minister at that time. We should definitely be doing all we can to resist giving this government which is bordering on a rogue government, any more power. Giving executive control to any government that is happy to execute a life in the womb when it is full term will be unable to give its elderly loving care in a protective, safe environment in the future. As the church, we have a response, and I want to talk about that this morning. What every Christian and concerned person must know. Firstly, Christians and concerned Australians, you must study the word Marxism and Leninism. You will have no chance of understanding how the Western society is being cleverly dismantled under your nose. It's funny, I ask a lot of people 
and even people who are actively involved in political arenas. Do you understand what Marxism is? They have no idea. Listen, if you do not know what cultural Marxism is, what Leninism is, who Lenin is, was, and what his attitude was to people, then something is happening in our nation that is very dangerous. I ask a lot of people, and they're clueless, including Christians. And listen, I'm not talking down to anyone this morning. I'm as guilty. But we have got to own the position that we are on that cycle of decline, and we have got to turn the clock back. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 25 to 20, when men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. You also need to look up on the internet. Anybody who loves a free society and loves freedom and the Australian way of life, which is a blessed life, needs to take the time to study Marxism and, Le and, and Leninism. We need to have a look at the Frankfurt School. And we need to discover or understand what is meant by the long march through the institutions, which was a strategy coined by a communist student activist, Rudy Dutschke, around 1967, which talked about the communist strategy to infiltrate and take over society. The progressive undermining of everything that is good has been the result. The foundations of our society, family, marriage, faith, freedom, are being undermined by the self-interested. COVID is a problem. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying and do not misquote me or misunderstand me. But it is being used by those who want to grab power and secure their leadership for future generations. These are not leaders. These are not leaders. They're certainly not good leaders. They're dangerous leaders. And we are in the danger zone where there is a great cross-section happening. We're at the crossroads. And I really believe that right now the nations are in the multitude of decision. And we are going to choose freedom under God or we are going to, uh, 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 we're going to accept a life of submission to governments that really don't have you in their mind. It really is very serious. Number two, you must get involved in the recovery effort. No longer can you vote for any government or individual who will terminate a full life in the womb. It's not on. You have already, by doing this, made yourself an accomplice. You know, the, the weakness in the political system is that we've always voted for that man, that party, or that party. And it's a bit like a football team that we find it very hard to change our football team because it's like been that way forever. But right now in these days ahead, this is one way that we can fix the problem. We need to be prepared to move away from our party allegiance and vote for the right people. 
You don't want to be an accomplice. I've asked our own federal member here for Gippsland about his standing on abortion. It is still unclear to me. When people give an unclear answer, I am suspicious that these people are the right people for us. The Bible talks about letting your yes be yes and your no be no. And that's how we should be. If we're all like that, we would be moving forward and we would be doing well. I'm also regretful of the years where I let things happen and I just put it down to politics. We just can't give popular leaders a vote because they belong to our preferred party. It seems that God is shaking the Victorian establishment and I pray that God would continue to do it. We should pray daily for our leaders as the scripture says, but we should also pray God change them or give us new leaders. Now this is a real issue. I believe for those who, of us who really want to be involved in the political area and engage with that area, I want to give you a key. Christ must be formed in you. And we've been talking about messages like this in the last couple of months because I believe during this time God is going to raise the Josephs and the Daniels into places of government and authority. The reason is, is that we have the wrong leaders in the wrong place and that is why we are having the problems we are having. And the people of God and the people of the nation deserve better. So when we enter into that domain, we must always represent that we are representing Christ. And just in the last week, we've seen uh, things happen in political parties that are very distressing. And I'll tell you why this is, because murderous spirits rule in the political domain. You don't have friends for a long time in the political domain. But if we are ever going to rebuild this nation and see healing in this nation, there must be integrity and unity and godliness in the area of government. It is funny because Christians often go into politics and lose their head. Number three, we must find our way back to the presence of God. In the last few weeks, I've spoken about the importance of the upper room. The church was birthed in the upper room. And now... God's calling his people back to the upper room. This is the place of prayer. Do you know the upper room is a very powerful place? When Jesus left the earth, he instructed his disciples and he said, stay in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. And we know that in Acts chapter 2, 120 people were gathered in one place and they were in one accord and God poured out his spirit in that room. This was the birthing of the church. And this was the beginning of a movement that 2,000 years later is stronger than ever. In fact, it is likely that over the next 10 years that more people will come to Christ in that window than has happened in the previous 2,000 years altogether. This is an extraordinary time to be on earth. But I believe that the church that is returning to the upper room will experience some great things. 
Just a couple of thoughts, I believe. This is where our mandate is made more clear. We are not just called to come to church and watch the rising and fall of our nation, but we are called to participate. And we are called to represent Christ. And we are called to lead. I would like to see every Christian involved in a political party. And I believe, you know, that there are problems in politics. You look at the radical left that is emerging in Victoria. Very, very dangerous. But also there is the extreme right. So this is what I believe needs to happen, that Christians who have a leaning towards a particular party, regardless of what that party is, need to be involved. And they need to be a redeeming factor in that party because we've got to come back to rebuild this nation to a place of unity and a place of common sense. You know, I'm really disappointed in our politicians because during this time of a great national threat, we still do not see bipartisan, uh, you know, uh, cooperation. We do not. We have got people that just should not be at the helm. Not all of them. As I said, I'm very thankful for our Prime Minister and I have great hopes for him. The upper room is a place where our mandate is made more clear. This is a place where we receive empowerment for our mandate. 120 were gathered in the room and the Father poured out his promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit onto that 120 and the nations have been impacted from that day. It became an unstoppable energy and an unstoppable force. This is the church of the living God. And this is the church that I belong to. And this is a church that I represent. And this is the church that you are called to be part of. It's not the name over the door. We are just a little church in our part of the world. But the body of Christ is wow throughout the region and throughout the cities of the nation. And I believe there is a day of awakening that is coming in the nation where God is going to raise his church to be all that it is called to be. But you see, every word and every prophecy in the scripture is dependent on response. We can just watch it go by and we can just look for the new normal. But I don't believe there is going to be a new normal in that respect. I believe the world is going to be such a changed place. But what it is changing into, we really need to take stock and we nearly need to be responsible. In the upper room was the place of empowerment to fulfill our divine mandate. I believe returning to the upper room is the prerequisite of Australia becoming the great south land of the Holy Spirit that it is definitely called to be. Number four this morning, during this time we must see the church of the living God arise. We are seeing a remnant emerge globally. And this is a model for the government of God. You know, the world has lost sight of what good government is. And in some parts of the world, even rioting and looting and burning and, and uh, you know, every type of, uh, you know, lawlessness 
is being promoted and, and uh, validated by certain aspects of government. They've lost sight of the government of God. You know, everybody says, well, I hope there's a heaven. Well, we can have heaven on earth. And this is where people love one another and where they cooperate together and where they come together and get over their differences so that we can build a better future. And this is what God wants to do. This is what I'm called to do. And this is what you are called to do. So this is where we learn government in the house of God. Because God has set his government there. It's mothers, fathers, children, grandmothers, grandfathers. Such a natural thing. And you know, when we can honour what God has set in place, we can really be prepared for the future. The last thing I wanted to say this morning... This is such an important thing in our nation. This morning you might be frustrated at what I've said. You might be aggravated by what I said. You may even be very angered at what I said. I want you to understand that that is not my heart this morning, but this is an appeal to you. And this is an appeal to come back and to come back to a place of common sense. And you know, it's like God has dropped a plumb line into the earth. And if we live according to that plumb line, then all will be well. But you see, some have drifted that way, some have drifted that way, and the polarization in the nations is huge. But this is the perfect environment for the wrong kind of leadership to emerge. So during these days, we need to align our hearts with what God is doing on the earth. We need to be aware because Australia, our great nation, right at this very moment, is at the crossroads. Once again, I want to encourage you not to accept the overrule of government over your life. One thing we can all do this week and it would have to be early this week, is send an email, make a phone call, uh, contact your member, uh, particularly state membership, and talk about this issue. But the issue of vaccines, there must be a shift, Mr Morrison, with regard to this. We need a lot cleaner communication on this issue. And as for uh, Mr Andrews, um, There's no other way to say it. You need to come to God. This is dreadful. And our nation needs to come back. If we want to rebuild the foundations of our nation, we've got to come back to the God of the nation, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, if you're watching and you want to respond to our message, uh, you're welcome to... Uh, to email us and make, uh, uh, make contact through our website. But I really want to encourage you this morning to open up your heart and let me lead you in prayer because, you know, 41 years ago, while I was on my honeymoon with my wife, Len, I found myself at the Billy Graham crusade in Sydney 
And during that time, it was such an incredible moment in my life where both Lynn and myself turned our hearts to God. And from that day, we've been following him. He is the answer to the nations. Do you know what? We are not going to rebuild this great nation unless you respond to the call to come to him. In the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, there's a very powerful scripture, and it's Jesus talking to the church. And it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I will come in and live on the inside of him. I'll dine with him. That's the, you know, maybe this morning, the Spirit of the Lord is knocking on your door. And he's saying, will you open the door? I want to come in. If that's you and you want to just say yes on the inside of your heart, then please just follow after me in this prayer. Just say these words. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in prayer asking for the forgiveness of my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart that Jesus is your son and that he died on the cross at Calvary that I might be forgiven and have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Father, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and I ask you right now to come into my life and be my personal Lord and Saviour. I repent of my sins and worship you all the days of my life because your word is truth. I confess with my mouth that I'm born again and cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.